Lord, everyone. It is good to be in the house today. Mm. Lots of reasons to be thankful. Amen. We have a God that answers prayer. Oh, long weekend. Kicked off with a bang. <laughs> Amen. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our lesson, I believe, on wisdom. <laughs> Perfect timing. I know. Because today we're going to study wisdom's warning. <laughs> So we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14 is the focus verse. And the Bible states, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So today, what is the wisest advice you have ever received? That's good advice. That's good advice. My wife's advice was when I was younger and I had no kids, I was told not to spoil them. Mm. <laughs> I was uh, told, and I think this should practice a lot in a lot of aspects of my life, but to pick my battles. Mm. Make sure you have all your gear. <laughs> Amen. I've been told many wise things. One of them in the military is if it's stupid, but it works, it's not stupid. <laughs> Another is incoming fire always has the right-of-way. <laughs> it's wise advice. But as we've looked at wisdom, we have to notice certain things about the Bible. One is Ecclesiastes follows Proverbs. Because after you go through a book of wisdom, you are now going to have to confront what happens when you don't listen. And Ecclesiastes is really a book of a wasted life. For it starts out the same way it ends. Vanity, vanity, saith the preacher. All is vanity. Essentially, the entire book is a life spent trying to prove that phrase wrong. Only to come to the conclusion, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. In verse 8. A wasted life. 
There are things that wisdom will warn us about. One, wisdom will warn us about the enemy. Paul says, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. It is prudent to be wise how the enemy works. And it is even more so on figuring out how he works with you. Because how he works with me might not be exactly how he works with you. But he does have a combination lock to you. He knows which order and what way works best to get you off track. He is a master hunter. I have heard numerous preachers across this organization dismiss the enemy. Oh, he's underneath our feet. That's true. Oh, he's been defeated. That's true. But God never once dismissed him. He didn't make him into a joke because it's not a joke. It's not a joke at all. One of the wisest things I've ever been told about the devil came from Eli Hernandez. And he said, if Lucifer was good enough to get angels to walk out of heaven, never doubt that he's good enough to get you to walk out of the truth. You better be on guard. And there is not one person that's probably sitting here that doesn't know someone who walked out. If you've been in this for any amount of time, you know. And the thing is, is he will tempt, he will offend, he will divide. This is wisdom's warning. Division is so vicious that Jesus says Satan won't even allow that in his own kingdom. He says, is Satan divided against Satan? Nope. He won't let that happen because of how destructive it is. So why do you think he wants it in the church? This is a warning. Another warning that wisdom will tell us is you're not as smart as you think you are. That's just the truth. I love to learn. I'd rather get a lecture than read. I don't mind reading. I just hate start to read. I hate the first paragraph. <laughs> and it's true with all things. It's true with my Bible. I love the moment I start to read, but I have to force myself to read one verse. The very first one. If I don't, I won't. Once I start, I love reading, and I'll keep going. But I have listened on YouTube to lectures from Stanford, from MIT, and I enjoy listening to these people talk about subjects that are just mind-blowing to me. Experts in their field. 
And yet, for all the wisdom that is out there, they miss the logical conclusion of a creator. Solomon was the wisest man because God gave him wisdom. He knew all things. Anybody could ask him about something, he just knew it. And yet, when they tested him, he had to discern whose baby is this? Two women. One child's dead. One baby is still alive. Nobody knows how to get through this. How do you do a he said, she said? It's really she said, she said. How do you figure this out? Everybody's at a loss. What do you say, king? Well, get me a sword. Let's cut it in half. You get half, you get half. The mom would rather lose her child and have it alive while the other's like, no, chop it in half. Now that's wisdom. And yet, for all the wisdom he ever had, he never had a walk like his dad did. In fact, I would declare Solomon as one of the most dangerous people in the Bible. I would declare that Solomon is dangerous because it is an absolute detriment to be able to step into an anointed, called position while skipping process. He immediately arrived at promise and never had to go through process to get there. Dad did. Everything that he built for the God was what Dad got. Dad got the temple. Dad got the plans. These are things Dad spoke to him. Now, wisdom says and warns what you teach your kids to build, they will build. Be careful. Because your walk tells your child more than your words. I can say I, I live for God, but I show them I'm living for the world, and they'll see it. You can't lie to them. They live with you. And you cannot be shocked when they later build a temple to something you were building a temple in your own life. But Solomon went up there, and when he got done building what Dad told him to build, the only thing he built after that was idolatry. Every idol was built by him. And you're at the height. You're at the height of Israel's promise. This is wisdom's warning. We have promises about what the church is going to be. But for those of us that are trying to constantly get out of process, the moment we get into promise, you better watch out. Because idolatry is waiting to be erected. It becomes its most dangerous. And here's a man 
that they sat there and everybody wanted to hear his wisdom. His fame went out through the region. God's did not. Everybody had the name of Solomon in their mouth. Nobody had the name of Jehovah. What you get from God should not be unto your own glory. When people leave, I don't care. I don't care who it is. And I'll keep it on me. Let's say I become the greatest, most anointed preacher ever. Oh, woo! If the only thing that you're talking about is me, I have failed. I have failed detrimentally. And we have seen that. I would say it's happened in the organization. Great men of God. And most of them, I would say, not to their own fault, great men and women of God have been elevated to positions of, oh, wait till they get here. Well, what about Jesus? Is not Jesus here? Why is it that I have more faith in a preacher than I have the one more faith than the one he's preaching about. Wisdom warns of us elevating man to God's position. But we can do it. Another thing that wisdom warns us about is do not blow off your prayer time. Pretty simple. Let's walk in the light while we have the light. And there has been a mistake that I have made in my own walk, and I won't point to no one else but me. But when I, I wouldn't say completely blow off prayer time, but I've backed off on it. I haven't been going as deep as I wanted to during that season. Why? Because it's a season of good. Everything's going well. And so you're still praying, you're just not praying hard. And then all of a sudden, here comes the storm. And now, I haven't been really listening for his voice. And now I'm trying to hear it while the storm is raging. That's a bad time to think that you can tune in. It is imperative that we walk with the one who has all wisdom. The Bible tells us that my thoughts are not your thoughts. I mean, that's pretty simple. That is pretty simple. And yet, there are times I don't pray that way. Boy, I have a great plan. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> Where I'll be praying, Lord, thy will be done. And then he does it. And my next prayer is, what are you doing? <laughs> well, 
That wasn't wise. It wasn't wise at all. Because when I prayed, Lord, thy will be done, what I really meant was, let's get into agreement. <laughs> and yet I wasn't willing to yield what I thought. So there was no agreement. Can two or more walk unless there be agreement? The walk stops the moment I am in disagreement with him. Now, he doesn't abandon me. He doesn't forsake me. But progress ends. This is something wisdom warns us about. Another warning that wisdom will show us is do not lay up for yourself treasures on the earth. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And one of the easiest ways to discern where your treasure is, it says, oh, there your heart will be also. But the heart is deceitfully wicked. Boy! So there's another test that God shows us where moth and rust cannot be stolen. Oh, well, my treasure's in heaven. Then where'd your peace go? Why is it that the enemy could get access to it? I would dare say you didn't lay it up where you thought you did. I'm not saying you don't have treasure. I am disputing its location. Because if the enemy, oh, well, the enemy is attacking my promise, is he? then maybe you need to shift it up a little more. Because the enemy, he will go after anything he can. Wisdom tells us that God says, I am that I am. You notice that Satan always says, well, I will be like the Most High. I will, I will. There's no I am in him. You ever notice that when Satan wants to talk to you, he always talks about what might happen. This will happen. There's no certainty in it. He doesn't talk about where you're at. He doesn't talk about certainty. Well, God, he doesn't hear you. Well, then why are you wasting your breath on me? There's only so many demons in the world. If he's showing up messing with you, there's a reason. The enemy is smart. He's not wise. But he does know how to allocate resources. There's a reason that this church will come under attack. There's a reason that the enemy desired to take out a member on Wednesday. There's a reason these things happen. But we know one that has all power, and when we cry out to him, what he says goes. You cannot serve both God and mammon. If you ever need a person to look to, I would direct you back to Solomon. 
Here is one with wisdom. Wisdom dictates. Whatever it lays its hand to, it will prosper. So, you can't serve both God and mammon. Can't serve both God and money. But he made silver like stones. He did not make the knowledge of God that way. They were definitely prosperous in the world, without a doubt. And believe me, I'm not, I'm not preaching against somebody who's prospering in the world. But I am preaching that you took anointing and you did it to reap benefit rather than relationship. Yet another warning that we can look at is the warning of time. This week should be a great indicator and a reset of people's mentality. When I was 19, I got to go to war. And I've seen more people die than I ever want to see again. And yet when I read the end of this Bible, I know that depending on if the church is still here, I may see it again. But I remember being a young man and watching how quick life stops. It amazed me how fast it can be over in the blink of an eye. I have friends I'd be laughing with that night only to zip up in a body bag before the sun would rise. And knowing that they're not the only one. You see things, and they call it PTSD, when really it's a mark of death. You take things home, and all of a sudden that death starts to kill, because that's all it can do. So what does it do? It kills my peace, kills my sleep, kills my relationships, kills my joy, kills my hope. Until there's nothing left to kill except yourself. Which is why 22 veterans a day kill themselves. During COVID lockdown, it jumped up to almost 50. But here's the problem. All they ever knew was death. But wisdom says there's life. And there's life more abundantly. But what I can do is I have been in this 10 years. In some ways, seems like a long time. In others, it has been extremely short. But if I am not careful... 
And there are times I have been truly guilty. I can get so accustomed to the routine of church service, to the presence of God, that I no longer stand in awe of what I get to sit in. I no longer am standing in awe that I have been saved from myself. And I can get so accustomed in life that I never treat this service like it might be my last. I believe that the church, and not just Sterling, because Kenai was in intercession, Brother Lamas was in intercession. I know other, other people were in intercession. The unity of a crying out to God changed what would have happened on Wednesday. But was Sunday treated like it would be his last? Did I treat Sunday like my last service? Did I treat Tuesday like it would be my last time to get to pray with you? Because there is something that you learn when you are around a lot of death. And it is this. You may not meet death this day, but one day you will meet death on a two-day. The illusion is it happens tomorrow. One day you wake up, just as we're sitting here, and you don't know it, but it's your last. Now, I'm not trying to be a downer. But that is the truth. Now, if that's true, do I treat my altar like it's my last one? Do I treat my worship like it's the last time I'm going to get to lift His name here? Because that's what wisdom warns me about. You are not eternal. Your soul is eternal. You're not immortal here. There is a death that is owed. And the only way we escape that is rapture. Now I want rapture. But look around. I want this place to be filled first. As bad as I want to go, we are leaving a lot behind. When the church goes, we want to empty this world as much as possible. Because the great tragedy of the rapture is that when the church leaves, so does the prayer for this world. If we're sitting here 
And we realize that we are the cry to God Almighty for what's taking place now. Then what good is a church that doesn't pray? You might as well already be gone. We're here for a season. And this, this is the only time we're here. This is the only time I ever get to bless God with faith. When I'm in heaven, that's not faith, that's seen. I'm in His presence, I know. Right now is the only time I get to not see and say I believe it because you say it. You can either walk by faith or you can walk by sight. You know how you know you're walking by sight? I've said it, and the Lord has absolutely 100% let me know that sight, easiest test. God's going to do this. We'll see. Oh, really? Well, you just said what you're walking in. But wisdom says faith is what pleases him. Faith that he is. Faith that he is a rewarder. There is nothing I can learn in and of myself that will bring me to his thoughts. You can study this book. And I would argue 100% that this is the hardest book written on the face of the earth. And the reason I would say that is because it is spiritually written and it is spiritually discerned. Look at how much false doctrine has come out because people without his spirit try and study this and then say, well, this is what it says. That's not what it says. But when I look at it, I understand the logical conclusion. But my God, He doesn't deal with logic sometimes. Moses walked in to Egypt. God did not lead him the path he came in. I know if it was me, I'd be like, why are, we, why are we at the sea? That's the entrance point. Just wait. You ever hear that? Just wait. Trust me. Wait. Be still. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, it's nice. Until it gets to a point that it is butting up against what I think I know. And wisdom warns me about this. There is a way that seems right to a man. But church, God's wisdom is easily shared if you want to talk to him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to me. 
that does not usurp your authority, that does not say, oh, well, oh my goodness, God talks to me. I don't need a church. No, that's a lie. In fact, wisdom would say because God's talking to you, you need a church more. Because we are in church service. So by its very nature, something must be served. So did you come in to serve Him? Or are you waiting for Him to serve you? I wonder if the American church is missing out on what God has been doing because we come in expecting God to serve us like we're king. My walk should happen every day. And I'm gathering here to tell Him thank you. I'm not saying He won't speak to me. I'm not saying He won't minister to me. But it is me pouring out to you, and it is those that think they are spiritually strong. You are gathered to serve those that are not at that moment. And just because you're spiritually strong, don't think that God won't show you a period of weakness where you need the body too. That is wisdom. We cannot look at each other and say it does not matter if no one's here. I had my friend have three of his toes blown off by a grenade. Now, of course, we called them club, right? Clubfoot. <laughs> right? Oh, Marines, Marines are not the nicest of people. <laughs> They're mean. But it's done out of a good heart. <laughs> if we're not making fun of you, we don't like you. <laughs> now, I've tried to change that with my Christianity. <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> but we had another guy. My friend lost three of these toes. The pinky, he lost them on the end. Now, he had to have something in his foot that helped his foot not slide around in a shoe. He had to have like a little insert. We had a lieutenant that had his big toe blown off. That's the only toe he lost. This guy lost three. He lost one. He couldn't walk. Because the big toe gives balance. You lose that, you have no ability to correct yourself. You will need a cane forever. And so, we have members that come in and think, oh, well, I don't matter. Except you don't understand the stability you bring. You don't understand the ministering it brings. When you come in, I don't care what condition you're in. Do you understand how much it means to see fresh blood? If you're messed up, let me tell you, I'm excited. Because all you are 
is a future testimony. Because I get to witness firsthand what God's about ready to do. You ever notice that churches that are dead are with ones that have no new people coming in and it's just the same problems going over and over and over? Oh, I want to see a deliverer. Then bring someone in that needs deliverance. You're, you will see God do when the masses show up. That's where He's going to blow your mind. But wisdom warns us, well, don't make it about you. Love others. Love the Lord your God. He is already taking care of us. This world does not bother me. I really don't care. And it's not because I've thrown my hands up. It's not because I've given up on America. It is because I understand that God has a habit of letting the enemy try and flex first. The enemy gets a say. Look how big and bad I am. And God stands back. And he says, just wait. Just wait. Imagine. Imagine being Lucifer. Imagine the moment you think you have just arrived at your greatest victory over God and you are nailing Him to a cross only to suffer your greatest defeat. How did that happen? I don't even think he still knows. He's still reeling over that one. Do you understand that the reason that was so powerful into your hands? I commit my spirit. Do you know what will happen when the enemy's coming after you? And you do the same. Into your hands. I commit my spirit. Wisdom tells me what happens. Wisdom warns me what will happen when I don't. Wisdom tells me, and Brother Mike just preached on it, there are people who come and will not have enough oil. Because church, you coming Sunday and Thursday and Tuesday, that does not excuse you from having a walk. I feel the greatest detriment we can ever do is to teach people to be dependent on church rather than Christ. I come to church because I have Christ. And when we have Christ, those who don't have him can come to church so that they can learn to have him for themselves. Not so that they can walk out, but so that they know where they can find him. 
There's a reason it was taught house to house. Because if you can teach someone to bring God into their home, you will change everything. The problem we have now is we gather here and we never take them there. That's wisdom's warning. The enemy, oh, he doesn't mess with me here. He messes with me out there. Then take what's in here out there. He's right here. Don't come to the altar and wave. I'll see you in a couple days. When the pastor gets up and he's preaching, that is not a sermon for today. It's not. That is a message to be pondered this week. This is your bread. Don't come up here and have a 10-minute altar and leave it and not think about it anymore. Eat what's been served. Contemplate. Wisdom warns us what happens to the person that looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what they saw. When a man of God is seeking God's face, what he is giving you is direction. He is showing you the field that God is blessing for you to eat in. You don't have to. But then you'll wonder why you're starving. But church, today, we have a day. Today, we have someone who is sitting here that the enemy didn't want. Today, we get to worship. And let me tell you, some of us, we might not be here next Sunday. We might all be here next Sunday. But none of us know. So we shouldn't treat this Sunday like I have an infinite number one that are in front of me. What would happen if through wisdom's warning we treated this as our last? What kind of worship would we present if we knew at the end of this service the trumpet would sound? That this is the last worship the earth will ever hear from me. How do I want to go out? Because that's what wisdom warns us about. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your walk. Don't waste your life. And most certainly, don't waste him. Amen? So, here, in just a little bit, we are going to get to pour out our love on the Lord. But first, love one another. Amen.